Welcome to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Amy Button, the Vice President of Aerospace Defense and Government Systems Integrators at Salesforce. Amy, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Before we get started, let me set a little context for our discussion. Federal and contractor employees have been at the center of the coronavirus pandemic, first in facing the uncertainty of what working remotely looked like, and then under intense pressure to meet citizen needs. But as agencies and contractors settled into the remote working routine and now are starting to slowly head back into the office, a lot of lessons learned around collaboration, process improvements, and the value of technology will remain front and center for the long term. The Office of Management and Budget offered a framework for agencies to consider as they reopen offices. The framework marries the national guidelines the White House released in April, which charged individual states with meeting certain quote-unquote gating criteria before reopening the local economy in phases. Contractors have less direction because much of their decisions depends on state and local criteria. At the same time, companies also are facing a shortage of workers, particularly in technology, data, and cyber fields. The hardest jobs to hire consistently are security analysts, data research scientists, and database administrators. Companies can take steps, however, to ease the burden of employees across the board. And I think our guest is gonna tell us how they're gonna do that. Amy Button is the Vice President of Aerospace Defense and Government Systems Integrators at Salesforce. So it's obviously an interesting time. We talk about this all the time, the quote unquote new normal. I think we're all probably tired mm -hmm. of that, but we'll continue to, to talk about it like it is. We, we have to worry about coming back to offices. We, continued to be safe. Uh, and, yeah. and then there's also this idea of, okay, how do you meet mission? And, and there's this global economic pandemic uh, impact going all around. So give me a sense of what you're hearing from, from different people in the community about how these businesses really have reassessed their digital investments to both maintain current productivity, but also grow. A, a lot, a lot to unpack there, and there's a lot that companies are trying to manage right now, um, as you said, in this new normal. So right now, all technology investments are being evaluated, but what we find coming through is this imperative for businesses to digitally transform now more than ever. The aerospace industry has been at the forefront of adopting new and advanced manufacturing technologies for a while now. However, now is the time for A&D companies to leverage digital technologies more than ever to enhance productivity and efficiency, which is going to help the industry recover from the crisis and grow at those previously forecasted rates. For companies that are moving more digital, any business disruptions are going to be reduced, especially as this new normal presents us with a lot of unknowns. So if you have, if the company is more digital and they have some of those systems in place, um, they're using those advanced technologies and that helps and enable their employees, partners and customers to pivot very quickly. I, th I think we've seen that time and again with both in the federal sector, but also just more broadly in, in the commercial sector, that the companies or agencies that were more digital, they've had less mm -hmm. disruptions. And, and do you mm -hmm. think the, the reason why is was what? Just because they've moved to the cloud, because they've jumped on into the collaboration tools earlier? I believe those companies and in having invested in those platforms, which allow employees to work on site, which allowed them to work remote. It allowed them, going back to that word pivot, much more quickly because it doesn't 
really matter for a lot of roles where you work. Obviously it does for some contracts where some of our, our customers, um, the government SIs have to be on, on site, but those cloud, cloud investments in their infrastructure and those collaboration tools have allowed them to rethink the way that they work together. What I found in talking to you know, federal CIOs and contractors over the last few months is there was not this all of a sudden aha moment of like, oh, we should move to the cloud. They were already there, but it seemed to this such of urgency from the pandemic really kind of motivated them to move even faster. Are you seeing very similar in the industry world where they said we were mostly in the cloud, but now we're all in the cloud or we had some collaboration tools and now we're, we're much more broadly used across the company? I think the, the wider adoption of those uh, collaboration tools has been something that has changed. I think for all of us, including us doing this interview, we're, we're doing a lot more in video than we ever have before. So if we use that as an example, and I think everybody can relate to that, adopting the amount of even video collaboration tools and being on video. Um, I was talking to one CIO and she was mentioning that now across many different time zones they can have everybody on the same on the on the same conference and and sharing ideas real time whereas before when people were in the office versus some people being remote it was a very different experience and now with everybody being remote and everybody being able to be for example on video they're getting to know each other in ways that they never did before or could have could have even imagined so i think there are some some things that people are learning that are are positive through this and i think adaptability is one of those things that is now um, something that they didn't think was possible before i absolutely love the idea of the silver lining i mean i think we always focus on the negative and and i have to, I have to admit I'm, I'm the biggest guilty person who says a silver lining of the pandemic is and then you write a story about kind of just ask me i'll, I'll i hope to find some way to <laughs> Why to find a benefit or something that we learn? Because that's what we're doing at the end of the day. We're learning from this and we're adapting and growing. And, and I think you have to, to be successful if you don't adapt. And then we see it with restaurants, you see it with, with any business. If they don't, they, they do end up uh, dying off. And, and I think one of the, the pieces to the, the adaption is the people side. Um, you have to adapt mm -hmm. how you recruit people, how you bring in the right people, how do you retain people. Are you starting to see some, some changes there as well as, as companies kind of rethink this approach? Absolutely. And I think it, it goes back to a bit of what we were talking about around having some of those tools and those platforms in place to be able to do that. And when I think of hiring, when I think of the application process, when I think of attracting talent and even reskilling talent, it, three words come to mind, make it easy. If it's easy, everybody can spend their time on different, different tasks that are, um, allow for higher productivity tasks. But when we think about talent and maintaining talent, if you make it easy to apply, if you make it easy to onboard and easy to learn, that's also going to want to keep people at your company and coming back. One of the things that we've seen during the pandemic is this move to remote onboarding, remote 
uh, hiring, like all of a sudden, instead of getting someone in the room with you and, and, and sitting down, it's all done remotely. Is, is That's also been that part of adaptability that we've talked about. What are you kind of seeing from uh, the, in, the, in the SI community or the aerospace and defense mm -hmm. communities about how they're dealing with it? Because again, as I mentioned in the beginning, there's certain jobs that are just harder to find. And, and it's not just the cyber and the IT, but I'm sure the defense world also finds it, finding the right skill sets is not always easy. Finding the right skill set is is certainly certainly not easy, and there's very niche skill sets. I think it's going back to that idea of hire to retire. A lot of companies have that as their mantra. You have over 60% of the workforce that's going to be retiring over the next couple of years. So now more than ever, it is imperative that companies rethink the way that they bring on talent. And what we are finding are companies that have adopted technologies which make it easy for people to apply, as I was mentioned before, to be able to find even that diverse workforce, find a, the, the people that may not even thought about the company. A lot of times people think about a, um, a tech company as being a company you want to go to. Well, guess what? The government SI community, as well as the A&D community, are doing some really um, forward thinking and innovative things. And for companies to get that message out there, that's going to make that talent, those hard to skill, hard to find people, that's going to make them want to come, come to these companies. So they're using technology to make that experience leading edge whether it's you're applying, you apply, and then you have um, five, different, five different job roles that you can also apply for at the same time. You know, and think about this, for, for companies who have adopted a platform that allows them to have that same, that same prospective employee apply through, on, through the interview process and then onboard, all with a seamless experience, they're gonna tell more people about that. And they're going to say, look at this company and look how, look how they're doing this. And that's something, given the unique environment right now, that is more important than ever to be able to find that platform that allows a, an employee, a new employee, to say, that was the best onboarding experience I've ever had. It's interesting you, you talk about this idea of, of the platform and, and what is it? And you said a lot of the, the aerospace defense type companies are doing some very innovative things. Is there anything that comes to mind? Or is there is there a, an example you'd be willing to, to discuss that you guys are, are working with? Mm -hmm. So there's one firm that we're working with that has adopted and thinking about customer experience. I'll take a step back for a minute because customers are rethinking from end to end how to have an amazing employee experience and that it requires some digital investments. And they've used the Salesforce platform to be able to allow for that type of experience. Um, this company, I'll, not naming names, but it's a, um, a government SI company that, that we're working with is, is using our platform and what it's allowed them to do because they're trying to find these, these um, candidates that are very difficult to find they were able to use a number of our different types of tools to find the talent, um, be able to market their, their company so that they're attracting the talent, and then give that person an, a seamless experience from end to end. And then the feedback we have, it's, um, it's really quite spectacular that they are then 
that company now has even more people and they're having less of a hiring issue than they did before because candidates feel like this company knows me and it makes it quite easy. And it goes back to what I said in the beginning, make it easy. And if you can make it easy for both sides, for the candidates and also the employers, everyone benefits. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing, you know, the feds get a really bad rap of, of hiring and there's a reason for it because the experience is, is a tough one and there's a lot of efforts to make it better, but it just seems to be kind of stuck in the mud so often. So, so what, what can technology do to, to maybe get the feds or whomever out of that mud, out, out of that pit of, of kind of spinning wheels of, or can we get the right person? Is it the right person? How do we know the right person and onboarding? Uh, the data piece, I imagine, and analytics is just going to be the key here. Data is huge. So data is a is a challenge, I think, everywhere because companies are finding that data is everywhere, whether it's on spreadsheets, it's on documents, it's saved locally on desktops, and it's not on one platform. You're going to hear me say this word a lot, on, on one platform. And data can be everywhere, but it really should not be managed everywhere. And that's some of the challenges that we're finding. So the, the power of a consolidated platform, whether it's to make internal, internal decisions or if we're going back to, because you're talking about hiring, um, it's to have that single source for everyone to be able to access that. So it's that 360 degree view of either your customer, that's, or it's a candidate that you're trying to hire, um, but it's that single source for everyone to be able to access that same information real time. And that is a critical piece with data because right now, as I mentioned before, um, data's, data's on people's, you know, on people's homes that people are in random, random spreadsheets, but it is something that needs to be managed um, far more effectively. And we have the ability to be able to provide tools that allow companies to do that. It's interesting. I always go back to the time, I think it was like 2005 when someone mentioned in some conference, it's all about the data. And that just kind of like, was like the aha moment. And mm -hmm. ever since then we've been, everything is about, no, no, stop talking about the technology. It's about the data. What data do you have? How do you use it? Where it lives? So I think your, your point about you, the 360 degree view of whatever you're trying to understand is, is so important. And sometimes we lose sight of that for the platform or the technology or, or the whatever. Because I think people, right? People are, are what's most important at the end of the day. And when people have an amazing experience, whether it's you having an amazing experience um, with something online that you're interacting with, something you're buying online, or whether it is a, a customer, you think about someone that's a, um, a, a, a client, like a federal client um, for some of our A&D and the government SI folks that they're working with. When you have an amazing experience, you're going to want to go again and, and work with that same company. You're going to want to work with those people again, because you're going to say that was easy. That made it easy to interact. And it also, when you feel it on both sides, we call that the customer transformation frame. We call it a customer transformation framework. It goes, and going back to productivity, when it makes it easier for the employee, they can then focus on higher uh, impact activities because they're not when you get out of spreadsheets right get out of spreadsheets use the data when the data can be analyzed when you're able to look at a dashboard it makes it far easier to interact and and focus on what's important is the customer and then for the customer it's the same thing when the customer feels like they're having a great experience guess what they're going to want to work with you again because 
it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, too difficult. Pulling teeth. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Definitely don't want to pull teeth. Amy, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. How do you get every department to work together to drive business growth? And how do you integrate your teams and technologies, delivering connected mobile-first experiences built around the needs of your employees, customers, and partners? With the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, now you have a single platform to create smarter, more personalized, frictionless experiences that blur the lines between marketing, commerce, sales, and service. Salesforce. We bring companies and customers together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash aerospace. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Amy Button, the Vice President of Aerospace Defense and Government Systems Integrators at Salesforce. Amy, before break, we talked a little bit about the idea of hiring and, and retaining workers. What we've seen recently, and I think it, it's, it's kind of gotten a, a renewed focus, it's a lot of more attention paid to it, is ensuring that your workforce has diversity inclusion in it. So how do you kind of reach out to new different places to hire people? How do you get different people in to, to give different thoughts, whether it's by gender or by race or by sexuality or whatever it is? The idea here is, is how do you ensure that you have this diversity of thought in the workplace? Give me a sense of how you're approaching this and what are you seeing from, from your, your clients and customers as well? Sure, it's a very important topic for us. And it's not just because it's something that we have solutions for, but it's because it's something that we are living as part of our core values. So our core values are trust, customer success, innovation, and equality. For example, we have 12 equality groups and affinity groups which surround those, those equality groups. And we have an office of equality which focuses on diversity and inclusion with a dedicated set of resources, including our C-suite executive, our chief equality officer who oversees a lot of that work. So it's something that we believe in at our core and it's something that some of our customers are recognizing and asking us how we do that and asking to see what that playbook looks like. So how they can make it even more a part of their organizations and their DNA. I, I'm feeling very hopeful from what I am seeing as I'm talking to some of the A&D customers as well as their government SI customers on their focus on it and some of the things that they're doing to help ensure that inclusive, inclusivity, diversity, equality, are all part of their practices as well. And they're using us as the gold standard because of what we're doing. It really comes back to something you said last segment was make it easy, make it enjoyable or as much as you can mm -hmm. the hiring process. And people kind of will, will, will word of mouth, they'll, they'll, oh, you know what? I had a good experience. You should have a good experience. You should give it a try. And if they see that the company is, is open to recruiting from different places, different people, different types, then that, that also provides a, a good piece. Uh, is there something that you guys are doing around talent management that you can maybe talk to uh, in, in terms of, well, we always did it one way and over the last year, six years, whatever it's been, you've, you've shifted. Is there any examples you'd be comfortable? There's one large A&D company, I'm sure there's a number, but there's one that comes to mind right now that I know for their interview process. One thing that they're doing is they're ensuring that for every open role, they have to have a diverse pool of folks that are interviewing, doing the interviews, as well as a diverse 
pool of people that are candidates. And it helps ensure at the end of the day, a diversity of thought. And that's something that has been particularly effective for them. And when you look at across their C-suite, their executives, you also see a diverse group of people, which I, I highly respect when I see that across any company, because it means they're not only talking the talk, but they're walking the walk. I think that when you can have that diverse group of people asking the questions, I think that also applies to technology. It applies to almost anything you do. And it just, people bring that different perspective that says, oh, I didn't think about it that way or vice versa. Oh, we should add that piece because not everyone looks at it from the way I do or the way you look at it. And I think that's exactly. so important. When you have, when you don't have, when you have a homogeneous group, you don't get that diversity of thought because you're around people that think like you. <laughs> you don't get you don't get those different perspectives. I in graduate school, I, I did a research project on this and looking at that from heterogeneous versus homogeneous groups and which ones end up having a better a bigger impact. And it's those heterogeneous groups. So you that's something that companies are adopting, having that culturally diverse mix of people and from all different types of backgrounds. And guess what? Why is it important to companies too? It's good for the company and the core values and the people that you're recruiting, but then it's also better for business. And they have better results, better revenue, better growth. And it, it it's a it's a full, it's a full circle of benefits for everyone. Um, when companies do adopt that. I think that's a great point that you have to look at the broader picture of how having that diverse thought, diverse workforce matters, not just to, oh, it's the right thing to do per se, but hey, this really benefits us from the bottom line, from the top line and everything in the middle. Speaking of, of, of things from the top down, the bottom up in the middle, security, and let's maybe shift gears a little bit. I know it's not necessarily a, a logical shift, but when it comes to cybersecurity, that's another area where diversity of thought matters. It's also another area where agencies are spending a lot of time on. And over the last couple of years, two, three years, the focus on the supply chain risk has really uh, gained more attention across the government. And from that grew the cybersecurity maturity model certification, the CMMC program from DOD. It's starting to get kicked into gear this fall, and we're going to see it later into the winter and into 2021. What are you starting to hear, see about CMMC? Is there a lot of concern in the industry? And why is this important to Salesforce? There's certainly a lot of concern about what, what do companies do? How do we manage this? Um, that's what I'm hearing from, from customers. And they're trying to figure out how they're going to navigate it. It's something that they've been thinking about for a while now. It's been, I want to say 18 months, two years that it's been something that is out there. It is coming now. There's going to be the first 10 RFPs, which have CM CMMC requirements are going to be coming out soon. So companies are certainly thinking about this. But as you mentioned, Jason, it's a security framework to help protect the DOD supply chain at the foundation, that's, that's what it is. And all DOD contractors are going to have to be CMMC certified on a level to, in order to bid on those future contracts. So it is eminent that they have to start working on the, on the certification. And I think some of the things I'm hearing as well is that because the third party governing body is not fully in place yet, there's a little bit of ambiguity there as, as that is being fig figured out. Um, but to your last question, you're asking how Salesforce is thinking about it. And one of the things that we're doing to help our customers is creating a basic framework. 
so that customers can achieve DFARS 7012 compliance with Salesforce. And it's three different components. We can baseline security controls, provide cyber incident reporting, and cyber forensics. So those are some of the ways that we're thinking about it. There's a lot of, uh, I think, concern in the industry about CMMC, without a doubt. A lot of people are kind of waiting to see what, what this means, how it's going to work, what those first contracts are going to look like. And, and interestingly enough, even the civilian world is starting to pay attention. I, I know you focus necessarily on aerospace and defense, but what we're starting to see, and in, in, for instance, uh, there's a contract put up by GSA where they actually say, we may ask you to be CMMC certified. So I think that that's an interesting turn as well. Are you starting to, how, how much are you talking with your industry peers, your industry customers about CMMC? Does this come up quite often? This is something I believe in the back of everyone's mind. And it's something that people may not think of Salesforce as having some capabilities around. So it is something that we have brought up because as I mentioned before, we have some capabilities and a basic framework to be able to help customers with. But it's something that I, I believe a lot of the government SIs and the aerospace and defense companies feel like they need to figure this out on their own. But there are companies, tools, and technologies that are out there to help them in that journey. Amy, this has been a great conversation. We're just about out of time. Before I let you go, a couple of things. Just want to tag us back around to the beginning of, of our discussion where we start talking about kind of digital transformation a little bit. And, and I think what's happening here is the pandemic has has forced agencies, companies to rethink several areas. Hiring, we've talked a lot about this idea of, of the technology and, and, and underpinning kind of the, the future of how they work, where they work, how they meet mission goals. What, what's the one or two big things that the, you want to make sure people take away from our conversation today around digital transformation, hiring, and the like? I think when um, a couple things, and, and thank you, Jason. Companies remaining ahead of the digital transformation curve are going to come out even stronger and overcome this downturn and any future downturns. So I think of digital transformation as being an imperative right now. And companies that are leaning into that are, are going to be years from now thanking, thanking themselves that they spent this time to innovate. It doesn't seem like a time to innovate, but boy, if there is any time, it is absolutely now to, to innovate and accelerate those longer term transformation plans that companies were thinking about. And then from the sec second piece around employees and hiring, I think, again, make it easy. And your employees come first, your customers, the candidates that are, that are interviewing. We're looking at equality inclusivity, diversity in the people that you're bringing in and the companies that are doing that and leaning into that are going to now also have the benefits longer term of a workforce that is, is proud to be a part of the company and really get back to that diversity of thought that you're going to have as well. And that's going to, that's going to help the companies. And we have solutions to help companies be able to do that and to make it, make it easy. I love that recommendation. It may not feel like the time to innovate, but it is. And I think we're starting to see some of that across the uh, federal sector. So uh, I think great advice. Uh, Amy, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. So let me thank my guest, Amy Button, the Vice President of Aerospace Defense and Government Systems Integrators at Salesforce. Amy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Jason. 
I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.